Greetings, everyone, and welcome to another serving of Business Soup Talk Radio. If it's in business, it's business soup. I'm your host, John Dibbavoise. We often talk about angel investing, but today we have a real live angel. Rob Angel, an inventor, a creator, a game changer. Rob Angel is the creator of the game Pictionary. From his little one-bedroom apartment, he changed the world of board games. He'll be talking about his five points of success. So pull up a chair, sit on down, take out a pencil, and we're going to draw up some business soup right here at the table on this serving of business soup. Rob, welcome to this serving of business soup. Thank you for having me. Rob, you are an angel among us. Rob Angel, folks, as I mentioned earlier, he is the inventor, the creator of the game Pictionary. I don't know anybody who hasn't owned this game or doesn't have one up on their shelf. You came up with this idea. You were a waiter at the time. What was the first step that you did to make that idea come to life? I was, as you say, a waiter. And I just started playing, we call it charades on paper with my roommates. And we just get words out of the dictionary to each other. And I said, this is a good board game. This is back in 1982. I was a 23-year-old waiter. And we just kept playing this thing all night long and the next night and the next night. So I had this great idea to turn it into a board game. And I knew the only thing that I could really package was the words. But as soon as I started thinking about it, I overthought everything. I began to overthink the process. I began to overthink that I was just a waiter. I was overthinking marketing plan, business plan. So I couldn't get started. I just wasn't within me. So I put it away for a couple of years and then I came back to it. I never left my consciousness. And I said, okay, I've got to break this down to its easiest first step. Because I was overwhelmed with all the process. I didn't even look too far in the future. And the first step was the word list. So I grabbed a pad of paper, pencil, and a dictionary. They were all right in front of me. I didn't overthink that process either. Went in the backyard, opened up the dictionary, and the first step was I wrote down the first word that made sense, and the word was aardvark. <laughs> aardvark, okay. But I didn't have a plan at that point. I didn't know where it was going to lead. So I wrote aardvark, and then I kept making words, and then I did some play tests, and then I got partners, and then I put the game together by hand in my apartment. But they all just led one step to the next. So you had this idea, and like so many of us, you have these ideas that are bouncing around between your ears. But the moment you sit down to write them all down, because you got to write it down first, that paper sits blank for the longest time because it is overwhelming to start the process of writing a business plan. And you started off with an aardvark. So you had this idea, and it was charades on paper. Pictionary, and as you describe in your book, Game Changer, what was step two? You wrote it all down. Where did that take you down the process? Got the word list done, and then I did a play test with my family because I was thinking, well, maybe maybe it was just fun for me and my roommates after a couple of beers. So I had to do a test to make sure that the product actually you know had any legs and it was fun. And then, as I like to say, I'm the smartest guy you know because. I know that I'm not the smartest guy. I know my strengths, but more importantly, I knew my weaknesses. And so the next step was getting partners to fill in the blanks. You came up with a plan and then you started surrounding yourself with the people. How big of that list, that original list, did you come up with of words starting with aardvark? 5,018. 
<laughs> so you wrote down 5,018. Was that just close your eyes and put your finger on a word in the dictionary as you flip through the pages, or was there a plan? No, there was a plan. It had to fit two criteria. One, I had to know what the word was. I didn't want it to be like trivial pursuit where it was knowledge-based. So I figured if I know what the word is, the average human is going to know. And two, it had to conjure up a picture in my mind. It could be hard, it could be difficult, it could be easy, it didn't matter, but it had to conjure up a picture and I wrote it down, but I didn't self-edit. So I didn't go through and decide which words did work and if it didn't work, I just started writing. And that way, I got, it took me about three months and I read the dictionary, page one, word one, all the way to the end. But the plan was to make the game accessible to everybody. So leaving the word omnidodecahedron was out of that selection. <laughs> Did you look that up before we started talking? <laughs> Actually, I know what that word means. It's how you make a sphere out of 72 triangles, not one that you get to use very often. And I haven't used that word in decades. Well, let's put that back in the dictionary. <laughs> that word is not in the, in the game, I promise. We're talking with Rob Angel. He is the inventor, the creator of the game, Pictionary and the author of the book, the recent release, Game Changer. And we're talking about all the different ways in which he took it from the idea, the plan. Did you ever have those moments when your family, perhaps at the family dinners or Thanksgiving and such, and they look at you with that blank stare and they say, at what point does this start making money? <laughs> no. I, and even if they did, I wouldn't listen because <laughs> you're going to get as entrepreneurs or or in anything in life, people are going to be naysayers. People are going to say, what are you doing? Why are you spending your time? Why are you wasting your time? Don't listen. Don't listen to them. If you think it's right, if you think what you're doing has value, if you think you can make some money at it or create something special, even if it's a nonprofit, don't listen to the naysayers. Be practical, but charge ahead. And you'll know if it's a good idea. You'll know if it's time to stop. You'll know intuitively if it's time to turn around or keep going. So just listen to your inner voice and you'll be successful. Who were the people that you surrounded yourself that were able to give you input? Were they experts or family, friends, and others? The original partners had the skills that I didn't have. So one, I didn't want to run a business. I could, but it wasn't my forte. So I had a business partner. Then I needed a graphic artist because also my drawing skills, shall we say, Mr. Pictionary is not very good at his own game. <laughs> but it was more, but more importantly, you can find people to fill in the blanks. You can find a business partner. You can find an accountant. You can find all these parts. But more importantly, these people, these two partners resonated with me. We shared the same values. We shared the same motivation. We shared the same dream and vision for Pictionary. So it wasn't just somebody to cross the T and dot the I's. It's we were a team and those people resonated, Terry and Gary, my two partners. When I met them, I knew that they were going to be my partners. They had the skill set I needed, of course, but there was just something about them that we connected and we clicked because down the road, there were many situations where if we weren't on the same page, we didn't share the same values, it could have torn the company and Pictionary apart. When you found these two partners, did they already know about the concept or did you find them and pitch them? And did they understand with your original pitch that, yeah, they needed to be a part of your concept, your game? I pitched the graphic artist, Gary. He had no idea. And he goes, Rob, your enthusiasm's great. Tell me more. And so he immediately came on board. And then Terry, we wound up playing at a play test. 
and immediately we're on the same team and boy, we got our butts handed to us. We're terrible. We had a ball. <laughs> Who hasn't had their butts handed to them in a game of Pictionary? But that's the fun part of Pictionary, right? Yeah. The worse you are, the more fun you have. So we had a blast. And we just had an instant connection and immediately asked him to uh, meet me for a meeting. And as soon as we met, I said, you're going to be my partner. So you have two partners that completed basically that one triangle of the omnidodecahedron. <laughs> so next question is execution. I know from your book and your history, your first thousand games were somehow made by hand in your apartment. How did that happen? <laughs> Very slowly. Keep in mind, this is 1984. Before the internet. Yeah. Barriers to entry, the game business at this point was very difficult. Now it's point and click and you can create a prototype in a game. We had to look through the yellow pages and that big thick yellow book that would come to your door and we needed boxes. So I opened it up and I looked under boxes. We needed a printer and I looked under printer. We took all these meetings with these various companies. <laughs> just just picking the companies that had advertised in the yellow pages going, oh, here's a nice ad. Well, we'll buy their product. That was exactly what it was. We picked one of the biggest ads and one of the smallest ads. And, you know, we met all these different people. And we had nine different companies supplying us with parts for that first thousand games. And all the parts were shipped to my apartment because we couldn't afford a storage place. So I couldn't go to the bathroom without stepping on a cube or a marker or a pencil. It was just, it was so much fun. <laughs> so you had all of these things surrounding you. So there was probably beer and pizzas sitting around the empty boxes and bottles everywhere around there as you guys were working away. How did you bring this together by hand? So you were printing out what on paper? Oh, we had to learn as we went. The printer had to make the box wraps. We had to ship them to the box guy so they could be glued on. So that was two different processes. Pencils were a separate thing. And we literally put them together in my apartment. The one problem we had were the cards. So we had 1,000 games, 500 cards per game. That is 500,000 cards. Well, the printer goofed up on his bid to sort those. It'd be like taking you know 1,000 decks of playing cards, throwing them in the middle of the room, <laughs> and then have to sort those all. It was terrible. <laughs> but silver lining was my partners and I, we realized we could do anything. It took us 16 hours a day for six days, beer and pizza. But the silver lining was we had this common enemy. Right? Have you ever had that, that moment where you just think it's going to be this huge negative and you're just, oh, I can't overcome this challenge? Well, that was us. But we did it. We had to do it. And so when we came out of it, we were stronger. We were bonded. We were connected. So this, this negative turned into one of the biggest positives of our uh, business relationship. That is such a strong statement to be able to take the negative or the fear, that fear of failure. And as we talked in pre-show here, your fear is preceding you into a venture or into anything. Fear of loss is the greatest motivator in life. But if you are fearful of failing, then you will succeed in just that. You will fail if that's the way you approach your business. And you surrounded yourself with two very strong individuals who believed as you in the project, and you leaned on each other and you held each other up just like the triangle. Yeah, it was a beautiful moment. And we realized it after the fact. So life is about flow. Right. Just things happen. You just have to know negative things are going to happen. Challenges are going to happen. So when they do, instead of panicking over each one, you go, OK, here's another challenge. How do we overcome this? 
And sometimes you can't overcome the challenge, whatever that may be. And that's okay too. And then you turn around, you go in a different direction, you look for a new business, but you got to keep plugging through. You got to keep moving forward as hard and as long as you can. In your book, Game Changer, you get into what I call the execution aspect of it, which is where you took the first thousand games you did by hand. Within three years, you became this household brand throughout the world. How many games did you have to sell before the big boy on the block came knocking on the door? We had sold in Seattle 8,600 games. We sold a thousand and then we were pretty successful, but it was because we worked our tails off. I was out there at the bottom of the escalator at Nordstrom trying to get people to play for 16, 12, 16 hours a day. And if I sold like three games, I'd be ecstatic. <laughs> so we were very popular in Seattle. So you were like one of those guys on the street corner selling sunglasses down at the bottom of the escalator at Nordstrom's. Oh, absolutely. And the change was that people would come down the escalator and throw a pencil in their hand. And they you know, panic. They can't draw. They can't draw. So we talked about it and we pivoted our entirely marketing strategy. We made the game a guessing game, not a drawing game. And that was a huge pivot because people love guessing. They just don't like drawing. And that was a big pivot for us. So we took off and then Milton Bradley and Worlds of Wonder at the time came looking to license. And so we did a licensing deal and we went from 8,600 games to 350,000. And then within three years, 3 million in the U.S., making it the biggest selling game in the U.S. The number one board game. Now, of course, Milton Bradley, famous for Monopoly. So you surpassed Monopoly. <laughs> Cumulative? No. But yeah, we sold more games. In the year? In the year. Oh, by far. We did 11 million just in the U.S. the next year alone. We were the number one selling game in the world for about 10 years. So you did a licensing agreement with them. So Pictionary, was that something that was patentable, that was protected under the United States Patent and Licensing Act? Patenting, no, but we trademarked and copyrighted our rules and trademarked our name. We couldn't patent drawing as a mechanic. I mean, so we just trademarked our name. So if anybody came after our intellectual property, that's when we got aggressive. What about those who decided, well, if Rob Angel can do it, I can do it. Do you have many copycats trying to take your idea and capitalize on it? Oh, of course. And they say that's the serious form of flattery. There was 57 different drawing games in the marketplace around the world. And we only went after the ones that used our name, like picture aids, picture dictionary, things like that. But, you know, ultimately, I think they helped us because they gave credibility to the category. So instead of taking away sales in the long term, yeah, they had an effect short term, but long term, I think they helped us. And so you basically said, hey, you can't use our name, just like Toys R Us went after everybody that was going like Bugs R Us and Cars R Us. And the, the R Us was a trademark of theirs. And they just sent letters off saying, hey, stop it. Was that successful or did you have to take it up a notch or two? Uh, we did it once. We sent several letters. Most people didn't want to fight. And so we would just send them a letter and they would stop. And so it never became a problem except for Spain, where they literally took our game, took it to Spain, copied it, box shape, color, size. They just renamed it something else. And we went hard after that. You have to protect yourself. Oh, yeah. We work hard to get that name Pictionary. So if you've got an idea or you've got something to do that you want to do, I mean, like right now, one of the easiest things to do, one of the easiest first steps to take is go on GoDaddy and get a domain name, right? That's the first step. Write something down. It could be anything. It could be goofy. It doesn't really even have to do with your business. But spend the $9.99 or 12 bucks, whatever it is, and if you get that domain name, there's your first step. 
There are so many businesses that were built upon a domain name. It's fascinating how things evolve. When you were waiting tables and asking people what side they wanted, did you ever think that you would make this change? Because you said you wanted to change the world of board games. Was that your initial plan as you were serving tables, or did it evolve into the game that it is today? Oh, it it evolved. When I got started, I didn't know where it was going to lead me, but I knew I had to try. You've got these ideas, maybe a plan or not a plan, But the biggest thing is I started without knowing everything. I mean, that's the biggest advice I can ever give anybody is if you wait for all the pieces to be in place, you'll never get started because they'll never all be in place. It's easier to launch a rowboat than a battleship. (laughs) Okay. I may steal that one from you. It's absolutely true. And here, one other thing about the word list that I didn't say is that not only when I wrote down the word aardvark, Not only had I gotten started, I had taken action. And it was a simple, simple action, like 11 letters. That's really all it was. But the bigger change was in my mindset. Because once I wrote down the word aardvark, I kind of got excited because I was no longer a waiter. I labeled myself a game inventor. Nothing had happened except for writing down one word. But it changed everything. And it made you a game changer. It made me a game changer. So that was it. I just became somebody different by writing down that one word. As I often talk about on this program and have done for decades, is that you don't have to reinvent the wheel. You just need a spoke in it and make it turn simpler, better, faster, smoother. I did that in my business that, that I was successful in, in spite of myself and not knowing anything about creating a business. You took a simple idea and you sat down with a, a book and a beer, a dictionary, and you took the first word that came to mind, aardvark. That was the epiphany that, as you described, it made you something that you weren't before and took you down this path. Now the book Game Changer. After you sold the business and you decided, you know what, it's time for me to do a tell-all. What was your advice to yourself on why you had to write this book Game Changer? I wanted to share my story after I I looked back at all my partners and I had accomplished. And I thought, I want to share this with people and let people know that a waiter from Spokane can dream big and have this idea to take on the big game companies and succeed. You know, I overcame all these challenges that we all go through. I'm going to share this with everybody. And I want people to know that anything is possible. And you had to position yourself in order to get the attention of Milton Bradley. They don't care about you until they start seeing you on their radar. And they realize that, hey, oh, Rob here has got something here and he's making money and perhaps he's taking money from them. And they saw an opportunity where they can use their distribution tools to rapidly expand your game Why reinvent it when they can just go to you and say, we'd like to license it? That was probably the biggest decision that we had to make as a company that we couldn't scale after that first year. And we were approached by Milton Bradley and they slapped down a product. And we look at this, go, what is this? And it was some crazy Pictionary box. They said, well, this is what we're going to do for Pictionary. We're going to change the packaging, change the rules and change some of the words and sell a bunch of them. And we're looking at this and we came to the realization very quickly that nobody is going to love Pictionary, respect Pictionary, respect us more than we will ourselves. If you've got an idea, control it, hold on to it, protect it. So here I am, I'm 26 years old. I'm making $500 a month. 
<laughs> driving a 10 year old car. Yeah. I like, don't know what I'm doing half the time. And they give us a great royalty rate. It really was They're the biggest game company in the world for a reason, but they wouldn't put it in writing. They wouldn't touch the packaging without our written approval. All I had to do at 26 years old is sign this piece of paper and I'm a millionaire. I wouldn't sign it. Didn't have a plan B, didn't have any backup plan, but I knew it was the right thing to do. And we didn't sacrifice short-term gain for long-term success. We had to control the product. Walked away and three weeks later, got a bigger, better deal with another company. But if we hadn't have stuck to our guns, if we hadn't have controlled, if we hadn't known what was right for our vision, I would have signed that deal and I wouldn't be talking to you today, I guarantee it. So hold on to what you have. We're talking with Rob Angel. There's an angel among us here, folks. We've just met one in person. He is the author of the book Game Changer, the creator of Pictionary, along with his partners. And it is so great to share a story about taking a simple idea, putting a spoke in a wheel, making it turn easier, faster, smoother, and being able to enrich everybody's life. Rob, if you turned around and looked at yourself back in your 20s and you said, what would I do differently? If you were talking to yourself now, back then, what would you do, if anything, differently? Well, of course, looking back and looking where I am now, of course, I wouldn't change a thing because it got me to where I am today. But in a practical matter, I would just make sure that I legally covered everything. We made a few mistakes on contracts, admittedly. So I would really pay a little closer attention to those things. But overall, I really enjoyed the entire process. I enjoyed the ride. I enjoyed what we were doing. And there were some days I'd wake up going, what the heck am I doing? <laughs> yes. We all have those moments, but then I go, this is fun. I'm enjoying this. We're selling a few games. I'm creating something. And so I just really enjoyed the whole process of inventing, creating, selling, and marketing. It was a blast. So what's next on the Angel itinerary? More of what I'm doing now. I'm really enjoying sharing my story. I'm really enjoying inspiring people. I'm really enjoying talking about my journey and the book, Game Changer. You look it up on Amazon, Game Changer, Rob Angel. And just enjoying this. I'm talking to as many people as I can. Just try to help get people started. Well, it's all about taking the idea. And the first thing you have to do is write it down. Our guest here, Rob Angel, he created a team with his idea, came up with his plan, with his people, the execution and the solution, all those five key elements, and look where he's at now. He has created a successful company, he licensed it, and he's now sharing those tips, tools, and techniques with everyone. And for the links to Rob's website and where you can catch him and his book, go to bizsoup.com, where every business goes for better business. Biz Soup, where business comes for business. Rob, thanks for being a part of this serving of Business Soup and keep spreading the message. Our angel is among us. Thank you for having me. That was a lot of fun. This has been another serving of Business Soup, where business comes for business. I'm John Debevoise, inviting you to visit the website for more servings of what is best in business. This show has been produced by Market Domination, LLC. To discover how you can have your own show completely done for you and turn it into a real published book and become the authority in your marketplace, go to www.marketdominationllc.com slash podcast offer. 
This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.